17. Acts 17. Acts 17, we're going to start reading in verse 16 and 17, and then uh, we'll get to 29 through 31. Y'all got it? Yeah. Acts 17, verse 16 and 17, and then 29 through 31. Praise the Lord. Okay. That's wonderful, just I don't have any, any, anything on my screen here, so that's what I'm asking for. Wonderful that y'all can see, but I want to be able to see scriptures too. Amen. In the meantime, let's read it from uh, Acts 17, verse 16 and 17. You ready? Let's read together. Ready to read. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. I'm going to drop down to verse 29, 30, and 31. All right, 29, 30, and 31 which says this, Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. We're going to talk tonight again on the subject, we cannot be silent. Father, thank you for the word we're about to hear and receive. I thank you, Father, that it goes forth in and uh, is sown into good ground and it produces a hundredfold return. And that God, thank you that God, you're raising up through us an exceeding great armor of people who will go out everywhere proclaiming the word of God and bringing men and women into the kingdom of God so that they can be saved. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 All right, you may take your seats. All right, so again, we're picking up from Sunday where we were, and I told you on Sunday, if you recall, do you all recall Sunday? Yes, sir. <laughs> on Sunday, we talked about we cannot be silent. That was part one. And I talked about a little bit about how in 1954, how uh, when communism and atheism were spreading throughout the world and starting to creep onto American shores, there was a little uh, two-word line added uh, to the Pledge of Allegiance. Anybody who was born before 54, unlike me, anybody who was in school or in the military before 1954 would remember that under God was not part of the original Pledge of Allegiance. It was added later. It was added because communism and atheism were spreading. And so uh, our president at that time, President Dwight D. Eisenhower, along with Congress, saw fit to add that little piece to the Pledge of Allegiance to acknowledge that we were a Christian nation. And what I share with you is that, <clears throat> well, hopefully you can see that God truly has blessed America. You know, we say, God bless America, land that I love. And he has blessed America, but what has happened in our blessing, in our prosperity, in our overcoming, uh, America has seemed to get over God. So we were under God, but now it seems America's gotten over God. And that's a very dangerous place to be, and I'll tell you why. There's a scripture in Psalm number 9, I'll give you this, Psalm number 9, and verse 17. Psalm number 9, and verse 17 says this, The wicked shall be turned into hell... 
and all the nations that forget God. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations that forget God. So it's a dangerous place to be, uh, to be wicked, or and or to be a nation or a group of people who forget God. I want them to put that same verse in the Amplified Bible for me, please. Uh, Psalm 917, Amplified Classic, which says it this way. The wicked shall be turned back headlong into premature death, into Sheol, premature death. So the wicked die premature deaths. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 91, only with our eyes do we behold and see the reward of the wicked. A thousand falling at our side, 10,000 at our right hand. That's why I'm not concerned about coronavirus because we're nowhere near a thousand even in our, in our, in our uh, county. That's, that's near me. The city is nowhere, nowhere near that. You got it? We're not near 11,000 in our whole state. So it's not even a concern. Now I'm concerned for people. But what I'm saying is we're not even near, near the threshold of where the angels even got to even go into extra, you know, high gear. <laughs> Are y'all hear what I'm saying to you? So we have d divine protection. We're not part of the wicked. It says, the wicked shall be turned back headlong into premature death, into shield, the place of the departed spirits of the wicked. Even all the nations that forget or are forgetful of God. So you don't want to be a nation uh, that's forgetful of God. I'm also asking them to pull this in the Passion Translation for me, please. The Passion, Psalm 917. says, don't forget this. Don't forget this. Why do you say don't forget this? Because people forget this. <laughs> All the wicked will one day fall into the darkness of death's domain and remain there, including the nations that forget God and reject his ways. So that's what we've seen. Uh, the Bible says it's the fool that says in his heart, there is no God. Right? And so that's what atheists do. Atheists say there is no God. Agnostics, there is no God. Then you have the uh, humanists and progressive Christians who are forgetting God. They're forgetting that God is real. God is alive. Are you hearing me? So they turn to their own uh, iniquity, to their own ways. And so they end up in the same uh, results as the world. Y'all not hearing me. You know, everybody wants to, wants to put out there in the news, well, you know, so-and-so went to church and they caught coronavirus and they, and they was, got sick or they died. Well, that doesn't change the word. You got to find out what were they involved in, what were they doing, what, what spiritual laws were they violating? Because spiritual laws work just like natural laws. If you jump off a building, you're not going sideways or up, you're going down. Spiritual laws work the same way. And the Bible tells me in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. But if I go back and become carnally minded again, Romans 8, verse 6, if I become carnally minded again, I'll get back under the law of sin and death. Okay, so I don't want to hear about who died. <laughs> okay. Now, in all this, what happened is the atheists, the humanists, and all the idolaters, because that's what we've gotten over into in America, is idolatry, is they want the church to shut up, shut down, and go away. 
And I told you Sunday that we just can't do it. Tell your neighbor, we can't be silent. In other words, I can't be shut up. I'm not going to be shut down. And I'm not going away till Jesus comes. You got to deal with me till Jesus comes. Now, once Jesus comes and I'm up out of here, you can have all, just have at it. I hate for you to be left behind when Jesus comes. It's going to be a mess down here. So I'm trying to get you saved to come on up here with me. Okay? So we want to make sure that we're not allowing them to make us be silent. Now, I gave you a couple reasons here Sunday. Uh, number one reason I gave you because Jesus, well, I'm telling, giving you a new reason. I was just rewording this. is that Jesus Christ must be glorified. He must be glorified. Remember in Luke, let's, can, I, can I read Luke 19? Media put up on the screen. I don't have time to turn to it. Luke 19, verse 37 through 44. Help me out, media. It says, then as he was now, this is Jesus, was now drawn near the, des the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to do what? What? Now, what do they want churches to do if you do go back to church? Be silent. Don't rejoice. That churches, you go have church, but don't none of that singing stuff. None of that shouting stuff. Don't, don't even use instruments that, that have wind. This is what they're telling people in church. Only have guitars, only have keyboards, but you can't blow no trombone or no trumpet. So, you know, all the house of prayer people, they're in trouble because all they have is trombones and trumpets. And... That's the... Oh, that's, I, I like that music. That swing music, man, they like they're down in New Orleans somewhere. Anyway, they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the what? Mighty works they had seen. When you've seen mighty works, you can't be quiet. We've seen too much to be quiet. How you going, how you going to not praise God if we've seen miracles and signs and wonders and God's healed your body and God's made a way out of no way for you? How you going to be silent? Verse 38, keep going. Saying, bless, here's what the people were saying. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Keep going, verse 39. And some of the Pharisees, the religious folk, called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to shut up. Tell them to be silent. Quiet your disciples down. Quiet, quiet your disciples down. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. So we can't keep silent. If we do, the stones won't cry for us. The rocks won't cry out. I'm not going to let no rock cry out. God didn't, God didn't save a rock. God didn't heal a rock. He didn't redeem a rock. He didn't rescue no rocks. Glory to God. He saved me. So before I let a rock cry for me, I'm going to get right up here and I'm going to praise God. And not just here. I'm going to praise God in the store. On the boulevard, at the gas station. I'm not going to be silent. Shut up all that. No, I can't shut up. He's been too good. Been too good. Been too good. Keep going before y'all get carried away. Verse 41. Now as he drew near, the, he saw the city and wept over it. We didn't go this far Sunday, but I wanted to get you this tonight. He saw the city and he wept over it. He saw something. He, he wept over what he was seeing in the city. Saying, if you had known, even you, church... Especially in this your day. Remember this from last year? The things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes because you don't have any discernment, church. So he said, this is your day. I, do, do I have any spiritual people in here who re recognize that this is our day? That's why with all the crazy stuff going on, I'm so excited. 
because I know there's a revival and a outpouring about to break out that this world has never seen. Things are being shaken. Even last night, our apostle declared a whirlwind all over the earth, and so we know God's about to move some things out and move some things in. It's our day. It's our day. Even if you had known, especially this in, in this your day, the things that make for your peace, that word peace, Irena, your safety, your security, your prosperity, your felicity, your happiness, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Verse 43. For the days will come upon you. Here's what's, what they're trying to do now. Here's the plan of the enemy. When your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. They're trying to shut you down, church. They're trying to shut you down, church. They're trying to shut you down, Christians, but it's your day. So you can't be silent in your day. That's why he said, he said, no, I ain't going to stop them from crying out. They recognize it's, it's their day. You don't recognize it's your day. Verse 44, last one. And love you. This, this is what the result is if you, if you don't do, follow this. And love you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. And most of the church is woefully ignorant of our time of visitation. Thank God we have an apostle and a prophet who came to us and declared to us uh, last year, this is the year of visitation, which means it began last year. It doesn't stop till Jesus Christ comes. So we recognize, we're aware, we've been illuminated to the fact that this is our time for God to visit his people. I, I proved in messages all last year that all kind of awesome things happen when God visits his people. Remember Obed-Edom? Yes. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, man. I don't mean, I, that's too much time I'm taking on that. Let's go. The second one I gave you uh, is that there is a cause. Everybody say, there is a cause. Why you keep on praising, there is a cause. Why do you keep preaching? There's a cause. Why you got your church open and all this? There's a cause. Why you, why you keep, keep sending money out all over the world? Because there's a cause. Why do you keep raising up people to go out and preach and teach the word? Because there's a cause. We cannot shut down. If that's the case, you'd have to ask, why would Martin Luther King uh, march? Why would people ride buses? Why would people stay sit-ins? Under the threat of dogs and, come on now, under the threat of water hoses, fire hoses, under the threat of lynchings and beatings and jailings. Why would they do that? Because they recognized there was a cause greater than their own lives. Do you know what the Bible says about people who overcome in the book of Revelation? When it says they overcame came Satan by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives to the death. The problem with too many Christians today is that they love their lives. They love their own lives. And when you, when you love your own life, you will not lay your life down for the cause. Your life is more important to you than the cause. But for me, if I live, it's Christ. If I die, it's gain. Woo! To live is Christ. To die is gain. So I'm not concerned more about my life than I am the cause. Well, what's the cause? The kingdom advancing. What's the cause? Souls coming to Jesus Christ. What's the cause? Because there's somebody who walks in here who's looking for some hope. The worst thing we can do is in a time of crisis and shut the church down. What, I mean, where are they going to find hope on CNN? 
Where they going to find hope? On Fox? No. Where they going to find it in the hospital? No. They're not going to find The only place they can find hope is in the house of God. Tell your neighbor, there is a cause. So I can't be silent. All right, now. Now, I don't have time to read about David, but David killed that, lot, that giant Goliath, right? Because there was a cause. He didn't back down from the giant. You can't back down from the giant. You can't back down from the obstacles. Okay? Well, listen, let me just throw this in for free. Whenever you see an obstacle, you got to see beyond the obstacle to the opportunity. And the greater the obstacle, the greater the opportunity that's on the other side. When David fought the, the, the bear, it didn't raise him up. It was just experience. He stepped on that experience and was ready for the lion. Then when he beat the lion, it didn't raise him up. He just stepped on that experience and was ready for the next obstacle. But when he stepped in front of a giant, When he stepped in front of that giant and didn't back down but ran to the giant and slayed that giant, the Bible tells us that he took a giant leap in his life. He slayed a giant and his life took a giant leap forward. Y'all missing it. Opportunity is always on the other side of your obstacle. And what you and I got to do as Christians is not keep running back from obstacles. Stop drawing back. Stop backpedaling from, from obstacles. See the obstacle as an opportunity. God's about to be glorified. God is about to be magnified. God is about to show himself strong on behalf of me because my heart is loyal to him. I'm not going to put my trust in man or my trust in princes or my trust in government. I'm going to put my trust in the living God. And he's going to deliver me and raise me up. Y'all got it? All right, now. Back in Acts 17, the biggest reason I gave you as to why we cannot be silent was because people's lives and eternities are at stake. I want you to write that down somewhere if you're taking notes. People's lives and eternities are at stake. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18, I believe it's verse 4, God says, all souls are mine. All souls are mine. That means every heathen. Y'all listening? Every heathen, every unbeliever, every gay, straight, prostitute, John, drug addict, drug dealer, murderer, rapist, liar, cheater, gambler. He says, all souls are mine. And if we don't say anything, they go to hell. And the devil wants to shut the church and the people of God up and down. Shut us up and shut this down. Why? Because he doesn't want those souls out of his grasp. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And that's why you and I have to refuse to be silent. We can't shut the doors and we can't shut our mouths. <laughs> Because people's lives and eternities are at stake. You got this? Now in Acts 17, let's pick that up again and see where we, from where we were Sunday. In Acts 17, we see where Paul is on a, on a missionary journey. 
and he has a couple of his associates with him, uh, namely Silas and Timothy, and they are left in, over there in Berea, and so Paul is heading over here to Athens, and so he's now waiting on Silas and Timothy to join him in Athens. Y- y'all ever heard of Athens? Athens, Greece is a, is a uh, city that still exists today. 2004, the Olympics were in Athens, Greece. It's not a, you know, it's not a fable. It's not a, a, a myth. This is a real place. This is a real story. Yes. You got it? Uh, Athens, it says, it talks about how they were given over to idolatry. Uh, I remember listening to mom and dad Derber talk about they took a vacation over there a few years back and how they were just floored by the amount of idolatry that's still there. It is still just, just, they were just in awe of the amount of idolatry and just overt iniquity in, in that city. You know, in other words, it's not hidden. So this is what Paul was saying here. It says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, verse 16, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Now, I talked about how your spirit, unless you're spiritually dull or spiritually dead, should be provoked or stirred when you see idolatry. And much of the body of Christ is not provoked, not stirred. In fact, when you look at that, that word provoked, uh, in the King James, I think it used the word stirred, right? Anybody have King James? Use the word stirred, and that's word stirred. You look it up. It means provoked. It means aroused. It means irritated. It means made angry. Paul got angry when he saw the city given over to idols. Not angry with the people, but angry with the devil that had a principality working over that city. Y'all understand principalities? Principalities work that way. That that the demons have a a whole city captive. You got it? And this is what was happening in the city of Athens. And so when Paul saw this, the Bible says his spirit was provoked. And I'm asking you today, is your spirit provoked when you see this? When you see people in idolatry, when you see these things that are happening, don't, do you ever get stirred up and say, wow? Do you, do you at least get saddened for them like, wow, look at them, they're, they're still trapped in darkness. You see people in, 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 in TJ Maxx or, or what's that place, Tuesday morning, they're buying little, little Buddha statues. You don't get stirred about that? They're buying their God on clearance? You don't at least get stirred like, wow. When you see people walk around with, you know, seven for all mankind jeans and they got Buddha, you know, planted on their rear end and they got all this kind of idolatrous stuff and, and everybody's little, little frat symbols and everybody's little sorrow symbols on their front of their cars and on their shirts and on their jackets and you know, I better be quiet about that. People got their little mason stamp on their back of their trucks and everybody, you know, trying to do their little secret shake. You don't get stirred about that? Well, you think it's all right? <laughs> I better leave y'all alone tonight. Because I know some of y'all cousins, my, my mama is Eastern Star, and my daddy is a Mason and all. Okay, you better be stirred. You better be provoked and aroused to anger. Not angry at them. True religion? That's what it is, true religion. 
Glory to God. So, now let's look at what happened with Paul. Verse 17. Therefore, he shut up and left the city quickly. No. No. Huh? What did he do? He reasoned in the synagogue. It said, therefore. So the, the, the motives, motive behind his reasoning was the idolatry. Because his heart was stirred. The motive behind him, uh, that word reasoning, I think in the, in the King James used the word disputed. He disputed. Now y'all know what a dispute is. Disputed generally isn't it, nice. It, it can get heated at times. But here he is, he's totally surrounded by idolaters, and he didn't back down. He's totally surrounded by people with all their false god worship and all their ideology and all their philosophy in Athens. Philosophers, Greek philosophers, and he didn't back down. And notice the first place he went was a synagogue where the church folk were. He said, what, in other words, what y'all doing in here? What y'all doing in here? How y'all bringing that into here? How y'all trying to mix up worship and bring in idolatry into the house of God? <laughs> y'all not saying anything to me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I can say a lot of stuff. I'm going to just swallow some stuff down, though. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers. And then it says, he, he went out into the marketplace. In other words, in public. And I told you Sunday, one of the, one of the biggest uh, tricks the devil has used is to have this, this um, uh, mistaken thing in America that we should never discuss religion in public. How many of y'all ever heard that? When you go to a family reunion, don't, don't bring up religion. When you go to the barbershop, don't bring up religion. When you're around anybody, don't bring up religion. And yet Paul said, I can't be quiet. This city is surrounded. This city is inundated. This city is filled, given over to idolatry. I'm supposed to not say anything? Pastor Jiggin at you, ain't he? I'm supposed to not say anything? I'm supposed to watch people serving false gods, stuck in demonic worship, about to crash hell wide open, and I'm not supposed to say anything? I'm just supposed to, well, because you know that it's their, it's their right. It's a free country. So was Greece. In fact, remember I read this on Sunday? Uh, verse 21, verse 21, for all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their times in nothing else. Y'all in verse 21? But either to tell or to hear something new. Or some new thing. In other words, they have freedom of religion. Just like our First Amendment right. So they, would do, they had the freedom people could worship however they want to. So of course, man, you don't bring up religion in public. But that's, that's what they did. That's what they did. People, people of <laughs> non-Christians bring up religion in public. Am I right about it? Non-Christians going to bring up their religion in public. All the time. Assalamu alaikum, my brother. Come on, right, right. They're not trying to hide it. You sitting there eating your pork chop sandwich. They said lips that touch wine will never, uh, swine will never touch mine. I mean, they bring, they bring up their religion. It's 
Somebody come to you, hey girl, what's your sign? They're bringing up their religion. That word religion, as a matter of fact, remember this? Uh, down here in, uh, let's see. Oh my goodness. In verse 22, verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, that's, that's a Mars Hill, and said, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. And the King James says you're superstitious. So when people are asking about what's your sign, that's superstitious. When they ask about, you know, are you heading east, that's superstitious. Some of y'all former Masons know what I'm talking about. Bring about the dog. The Mason know what I'm talking about. I'm just talking. I'm just telling you these these superstitions that people have. It's idolatry, and they have no problem bringing it up. It's only the Christians who are expected to not bring up their Christianity in public. They want us to be silent, but we cannot be silent. Why? Because you got to love people enough. The Bible says, speak the truth. Come on now. Speak the truth in love. So in your love, speak truth. The Bible says, speak truth to your neighbor. Somebody come and they talk about this false religion. You don't say, well, that's all right. It's, it's your right. Praise the Lord. We all serve the same God. Well, that's right. No, that's not right. No, we don't all serve the same God. No, we don't all serve the same God. When some Muslim tells you we serve the same God, uh, you know, no, no, we don't. See, your God, Allah, is a demon. Your, your, even your book that you read says to the God who has no son. Now, how are you going to agree with that? You got saved by the son. You can't just agree with it, go along with that stuff. You better educate yourself on the word of God. But I can't say nothing because it's a free country. Well, they saying something because it's a free country. Some of y'all, y'all youth, you get into those world religion classes on your college campus, they're going to they promote every religion except Christianity. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? They're going to promote every religion but Christianity. So it's not that they got a problem with religion. They have a problem with Jesus. So you better make sure your kids are ready when they go on the college campus. Take these world religion philosophy classes. Better make sure they all have a solid foundation in the word of God and, and can withstand the onslaught of doctrines of devils. You better find some other kind of class you better take because art history or something like that. But even with art history, you got to be careful about art history because art history is still religious. All those statues that, that they, they would erect over in Europe, normally those statues would always have a negative depiction of Bible characters. That's why you see a character like David as a statue naked. It was always to demean biblical characters. I just, I just want to make sure you understand that we're, we're under an attack 
And they're trying to shut us up and shut us down and make us go away, but we can't. I refuse. We cannot be silent. Everybody say, I cannot be silent. Shout it like an army. I cannot be silent. Therefore, he reasoned with them in the synagogue in the, and in the marketplace. Okay? Now, look at, again, verse 22, I told you, uh, he said, I perceive that you are very religious, which means, or superstitious in the King James. He said, in other words, he, now watch this. this. This is critical to uh, sharing the gospel. Listen to this. He acknowledged their spirituality. Y'all got to catch that. See, one of the things that, one of the mistakes that we make oftentimes when we're trying to win people to Christ, if we do try to win people to Christ, I said, if we do try to win people to Christ, I said, if we do try to win people to Christ, is, is we, we gonna, we're going to just, uh, we look at all of our differences and never find a common ground. The common ground is that they have some sort of spirituality. Now, it's an, it's an erroneous spirituality, but they have it. Which means they're at least interested in religion. They're at least interested in spiritual things. So what you and I got to do is say, okay, I, that's what he said. I perceive that in all things you are very religious. He said, wow, that's interesting. In other words, he's seeing his way in. I can work with that. Oh, Y'all got to catch this here. He said, for I, as I was passing through your, uh, and considering the objects of your worship, verse 23, I even, now watch, watch what he does. He says, I even found an altar with this inscription. To the unknown God. He said, I just happened to notice that among all your gods. Now watch. He says, therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, the one who you worship without knowing, did you catch that? It's possible that people are worshiping him without knowing. He said, the one you worship without knowing. I think that's been one of the major problems we've had in the church. People have been worshiping without knowing. They've been worshiping based on their education. They heard about God. They've been trying to worship. But because they don't know God, they've never been actually to worship in spirit and in truth. So it has to be a manufactured worship. A manufactured glory. That's why you got to add the smoke. You got to add the screens to mesmerize people. Y'all miss what I'm saying. <laughs> it's mesmerizing is what it is. Exactly right, Pastor Kim. He says, him I proclaim to you. Now here he is. He dealing with all these idolaters and say, I'm about to preach Jesus to you. Now, he's, he's going to proclaim, first of all, God. This is, I, I shouldn't say Jesus yet. He's going to proclaim God to them. God. All right? Now, he, then he goes and does something that's just awesome to me. Verse 24 through 26, he lays out for me and for us five attributes of God that distinguish our God from all the other gods. In other words, Elder Baker, he's about to say, show them my God is better than your God. <laughs> yeah, you remember as kids, you say, my, my daddy can beat your daddy. <laughs> right? And so this is what he's about to do because he's seen their gods and he already knows that their gods are false. So he's going to now proclaim his God 
The true and living God, and he's going to give them five points here. Paul's an awesome preacher. Five points to prove that our God is better than all their gods. Now, you may want to write these down if you have time. Number one, he says it right here in verse 24. God who made the world and everything in it. Number one, God made the world and everything in it. In other words, he, Paul says, God is the source. He made the world and everything in it. He is the source. How do you know that? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 only took four words to declare it. In the beginning, God. You can period. Period. Say it. In the beginning, God. Period. The rest of the Bible from there on out all supports those four, first four words. In the beginning, God. Say it. In the beginning, God. You know, most of our children don't have any clue of that. They're being taught out of that. They're being talk, talk about there's no beginning. They're talk, being taught, you know, about evolution, being taught about Big Bang, being taught about all this stuff that science wants to disprove God. But you and I got to know, that's why the Bible says it over in the Ecclesiastes chapter 12, I think is verse 1. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. So you got to know about your creator. In the beginning, God. So he said, God made the world and everything in it. Now he is boasting Barbara on God. Remember he said, I see all y'all gods, but let me tell you about the God that you don't know. This God made the world and everything in it. Are y'all catching this? Well, let me help you catch it. That means if this God made the world and everything in it, that means your God didn't. This God made the world and everything in it. He was, he was careful to imply, uh, to place in him by the Holy Ghost that he made the world and everything in it. So there's nothing that you see that this God didn't make. So you can bring up Buddha and Allah and all the other gods you can come up with in your mind, but they didn't make anything. This God made the world and everything in it. And if you're going to try to make anything, you got to use what he already made. You can build your ivory tower, but you got to build it out of what he, he already made. You're going to make a baby, but he's going to make it out of what he already made. You can plant your fields, your vineyards, but you got to make it out of what he already made. This God made the world and everything in it. Oh, y'all got to catch this. In the beginning, God, period. So the next time somebody want to come to you with all some, some kind of confused uh, doctrine, tell them, in the beginning, God, period. If you can't find uh, the scripture Zephaniah 3.18, if you can't find Romans 2.11, go to Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God, period, end of argument. Which then tells me, D, that God wasn't created by anybody. In the beginning, God. That means God was here when the beginning began. I heard, I heard the, the late Dr. Miles Monroe say it this way. God didn't begin when the beginning began. God began the beginning. God didn't start when start got started. God started start. So even if you want to claim a big bang theory, what banged? And where did it come from? 
beginning, God. This God made the world and everything in it. Somebody shout, my God made this. I don't have time to be debating with nobody about your God. Let me tell you about my God. You shut up and listen to me about my God. Now, don't, don't, be, don't be mean. Don't be mean. You understand me? <laughs> you you let, let them talk. But they say, okay, well, let, let me, let's talk about my God. Number two, he said, God will make the world and everything in it. Number two, since he is Lord of heaven and earth. So number two, God is Lord of heaven and earth. God is Lord of heaven and earth, which means he is supreme. Oh, y'all got this? God, he said, this Lord, this God is Lord of heaven and earth. Now, y'all got to see that because these people are serving gods who they think are awesome and high. They pray to these gods. They bow down to these gods. They even sacrifice to these gods. They even sacrifice their children to these gods. But so they think their gods are mighty. Well, even if you think your gods are mighty, our God is almighty. And our God is Lord of all. He is Lord, Paul said, by the Holy Ghost of heaven and earth, which means he is what? Supreme. Supreme. Psalm 103 verse 19 says that the God has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. He's established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. My God, when I got a hold of that scripture several years ago, his kingdom rules over all. God's kingdom is above every other kingdom, Elder Jeff. All the kingdoms of man, even the kingdom of darkness, God's kingdom is above all those kingdoms. His kingdom rules over all. Man, I, I was able to chill from then on out because I'm in that kingdom. I've been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. I'm in that kingdom that rules over all. My God is Lord of heaven and earth. He's supreme. Now the world tries to act like the devil's supreme. But our God is supreme. The devil don't run this. This is God's. God runs the universe. We used to say this as kids, and somehow we forget it when we get grown. He's got the whole in his. Y'all remember that as little kids? But we get grown and act like he don't have St. Peter. He don't have your street. Or he don't have your house. Or he don't have your block. Or he don't have your neighborhood. Or he don't have your family. Or he don't have your child. But yet we sing it as kids. He's got the whole world. He's supreme. Nobody above him. Nobody even on his level. He is Lord of heaven and earth. Number three. Number three. He goes on to say, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Look at verse 25. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands. Watch this next one. Number three. As though he needed anything. So number three, God, this God needs nothing. Y'all missed that. This God needs nothing. Which means he's self-sufficient. He's God all by himself. Now, their gods, they got to feed them. Their gods, they got to prop them up. You buy your little Buddha statue from Tuesday morning. 
and you got you, it. It can't even get home by itself. You got to carry your God home. You got to set him up. You got to dust him, got to clean him up. If he fall down, you got to pick him up and put him back together again. He can't, he can't stand up by himself. If, 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 if Buddha said he wanted to go from the dining room to the kitchen, he couldn't go by himself. And he can't even tell. You got a mouth, but he can't speak. He got ears, he can't hear. He can't hear, he got eyes, he can't see. But our God needs nothing. That's what, you know, what, what he said here about the Holy Ghost, as though he needed anything. So it says he's not worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. <laughs> In Psalm 50, verse 12, God says, if I were hungry, I would not tell you. I'm talking about our God. God said, God said, look, I'm so big. I'm so good. I'm so set up. The way I got this kingdom set up. If I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you. Why? For the world is mine and all its fullness. Everything I hear is mine. If I was hungry and I wanted me a steak, God said, I can just make a cow. Just get up this thing. You understand this? You can't help God. Not in that sense. <laughs> Glory to God. Every other God, they got to be helped out. Allah, people, people worship Muhammad. We gotta, uh, Muhammad couldn't, even, couldn't do anything for himself. Moses is a great prophet. Where, where is he? He died. Is it? Is he, where is he now? Well, he died. Well, but where is he now? Well, he died. Oh. Oh, he didn't get up? Oh, you mean your prophet's still dead? See, my prophet is alive. And he lives forevermore. <laughs> I better keep going. I got to keep going here. Oh, my goodness. So he needs nothing. Everybody say he needs nothing. God is God all by himself. He's good all by himself. Number four, it says he gives life to all, or he gives to all life, breath, and all things. So number four, he's the supplier. He gives to all life, breath, and all things. So your life, your breath, and all things come from God. Now you name me one other God that can even say he gives you life. Or breath. Or anything. No other God. But our God gives to all, even the ones who don't serve them. They're getting their life and their breath and all things from him. Your Bible says God is good and kind to the just as well as the unjust. To the evil and to the good. So even those who don't serve him, God still woke him up this morning. Still started them on their way. Still gave them use activity of their limbs. He's good and he's good to all. 
So our God is the supplier. So we don't have to supply God. He supplies us. Any other God you name, you got, they got to take care of it. They got to. People, people, we got people worshiping candles. Well, tell a candle, light yourself. Burn an incense, light yourself. Incense, you're so wonderful, light yourself. Rocks, rock, move yourself. God talked about how, how ignorant this was. In Isaiah, when he said, Y'all go, he said, let me just explain to y'all how, cra how crazy, how, in the words of, of Mike Tyson, how ludicrous this, this is. So this is ludicrous. He says, you all go cut down a tree. This is ludicrous. Mike coming back, man. Mike Tyson coming back, bro. He says, y'all go cut down a tree. And you chop it. And he says, and you chisel out and make your God out of this tree. Take the rest of the tree that I, that I brought forth, then take the rest of that tree and put it in the fire to warm you. He said, how dumb is that? This is God talking to the children of Israel. He said, that's just diddy dumb, dumb, dumb. You mean your God couldn't even supply his own firewood? It couldn't supply his own chisel? It couldn't supply anything? And here I am, I'm supplying everything you need. Do you understand you're serving the only true and living God? Let me hurry up. Let me hurry up. Number five. This is the last one. I, I could get a lot more out of here, but let me see my five. Because these are five critical points I want you to see. It says, verse 26, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So number five, God has made every nation of men and determined our times and boundaries, which means he is sovereign. He's sovereign. It says he chose our times and our boundaries. God chose you to be born when you were born. I often say I wasn't cut out to be born in slavery days. Well, God didn't deem me to be born in slavery days. I wasn't, I wasn't you know, cut out to be born in the times of even the civil rights. That's not how he made me. He chose my times and my boundaries. I wasn't born a European. I was born an American. My times and my boundaries which means he's sovereign. Glory to God. People are trying to, to refute or, or to um, uh, violate God's sovereignty with all this gender choosing. Gender, uh, and I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the gender choosing y'all probably think of. Y'all probably think about transgender. I'm talking about people trying to choose the gender of their child before it comes in the womb. And so what they're doing is, if, the, if they find that the child is going to be a girl, but they wanted a boy, they terminate that pregnancy. I'm just telling you what's going on in our world, because people are now trying to play God, and we have doctors trying to play God, but doctors aren't sovereign. 
Y'all getting this here? All right, let, let, me, let me finish this out because he's sovereign. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4 says this, where the word of a king is, there is power, and who may say to him, what are you doing? So that's, what, that's the sovereignty of a king. When he gives a word, nobody can stand against it. There is no wisdom or counsel or might against the Lord. There's nothing people can do against the Lord. When God gives a word, it's settled. It's done. It is established. You got it? All right, real quick, let's read. Uh, go to, go to uh, Acts 17, 26 and 27. And I wanted to put up in the, in the Passion for me, please. Acts, 20, Acts 17, verse 26 and 27 from the Passion. It says this. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity. So all of us come from Adam. Which means all of us come from Africa. I don't care what shade of the spectrum you're on. You all came. I don't care if you white as lily white or pitch black dark night. We all came from Africa. From one man. We're one race. We're one race, the human race. Y'all ain't saying anything. We are one race. We got to get all this sin out of our hearts with prejudice and discrimination and, and trying to make ourselves uh, categorized. We're one human race. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity, and he spread us all over the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. Keep going, verse 27, please. He has done this. Now, here's the part I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. Remember what we read earlier? He said, y'all are all very religious. You're all very superstitious. Remember, religion is man's attempt to get to God. It's man's attempt to satisfy something on the inside of him. Now watch this. He has done this so that every person would long for God. I need y'all to catch this. He's done this so that every person, every human being, would long for God. Fill their way to him and find him for he is the God who is easy to discover. He's easy to discover. Your, your word says here, he's not far from each one of us in, in the New King James. Now this, this is what it is, Sister Hattie, is that he said so that every person would long for God, which means that in every human being, there's something missing. I don't care how heathenistic they may be. I don't care if they've never grown up in a religious household. I don't care if they never ever heard of Jesus. I don't care if they never ever saw a Bible. I don't care if they never ever stepped foot in the church. There's something, a whole, a, a missing part in every human being because we are all his offspring. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. I didn't see that. When babies are born, now, in the last few years, they started this. When babies are born, the first thing they do, rather than take a baby off to a nursery somewhere and do all this stuff, is they take that newborn baby and they place that baby on the mother's belly. And that baby instinctively begins to crawl his or her way to his mom's bosom. Immediately. 
Immediately. Just instinctively they do that. Because they're, they know instinctively they were programmed to go back to their source. Now, years ago, they didn't do that. Many of y'all, if you had babies years ago, they didn't do that. This is a, this is a fairly new thing in the last 10, 10, 15 years or so that they started doing that. That now, every baby, this, the first thing they do is they put them there. Because that, that baby just, it's almost like, and we know it here in Florida uh, on the Gulf Coast when tur little turtles are born. Those little turtles born up there on the beach in the grass area somewhere, those little turtles, as soon as they come out the shell, they boom, head right for the water. They're programmed to go back to where they belong. So every human being, whether you ever heard of God, heard of Jesus Christ, read a Bible, been anywhere, every human being is born with a longing for God. Feel that they might long for God, feel their way to him, feel their way to him. So what people are doing in their, when they're being superstitious and religious, they're trying to fill their way. So they get into Hinduism. They're going to try out a thousand gods. They're going to get into Buddhism. They're going to try that. They're going to try all kind of Eastern religions. They're going to try out, you know, astrology and stuff like that, worshiping the stars and worshiping the trees. They're worshiping Mother Nature and worshiping Mother Earth and worshiping all this, you know, the queen of the universe. And they're worshiping all kind of stuff and worshiping snakes and worshiping, you know, ancestors. They're, what they're doing, they're groping. And you know what it says? Go, go back to New King James. New, New King James, verse 27 says, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him. They're groping. So when people are reaching around, they're trying to, they're, they're discovering, they're trying to be woke. What they're doing is they're groping, they're trying to find what they're missing. Which means you can never be satisfied until you get back to God. You can never, never be fulfilled until you get right back to God because he is your source, he's your supply, he's the start, he's everything. You can never find that joy, that peace, that happiness that you were designed to have until you find Jesus. That's why people can have all kind of religion talking about they're happy because they got to keep going, go find their balance and find their chi and find their zen and get their energy. They're doing all this kind of crazy stuff because they're groping. They're groping, they're groping, they're in, in darkness, they're looking, looking for something. But they're in the wrong place. And what they need is some Christian who's not going to be silent. Some disciple who's not going to keep their mouth shut to tell them, I know what you're looking for. Come on, say it to me. I know what you're looking for. I know what you need. His name is Jesus. <laughs> Do you understand we have the answer for the people? Put up uh, Acts 4 and verse 12. Acts 4, verse 12. Put that on the screen for me, please. Help me out with this. Acts 4, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other. Y'all got to catch this. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, among men by which we must be saved. 
No other name. Salvation, deliverance, preservation of life cannot be found in any other name. So you can name Buddha, you can name Allah, you can name Confucius, you can name Socrates, you can name, you know, I'm a black Hebrew Israelite, and you can name I'm a 5%, or you can name all this kind of stuff, foolishness that people coming up with. You, you can sage, you can burn, you can brush, you can, you can twizzle, you can dizzle, you can dazzle, you can frazzle, you can, you can burn, you can light, you can smoke, you can smoke, and the people smoking, 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 trying to find some peace. You can't find peace in no pipe. There's no other name under heaven given among which men might be saved but the name of Jesus. That's why you end up up and down, up and down. And the problem, thank you, Holy Ghost, the problem why too many Christians keep going up and down is because Christians are not singularly focused on Jesus. Christians have been allowing other things to come in and Christians have begun mixing other religions in with your Christianity and it just doesn't work. Be careful of all this new age, neo-soul, craziness in the black people. We got these neo-soul singers, inspirational singers, and they're singing people right out of Jesus. And it's dangerous. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So when there's a longing in every human being, nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. Now watch, let me, let me close out by, by reading this right here. Go back in Acts 17, verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said. For we are also his offspring. They knew that. They could understand we were, you know, we're, we're created by God. Verse 30, 29. Now watch, here it is. Here, here is he's going for the, for the close right now. This is how you close a deal, D. He says, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, since you agree with that, we ought not to think that the divine nature, the nature of God, is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. You can't create God. God created you. You can't portray God. You can't fashion God. He fashioned you. Now watch, here it is. Here's the closer right here, Dwight. Truly, these times of ignorance, God overlooked. Then King James says he winked at. God winked at it like, all right, I'll give, you, I'll give you a minute. I'll let you go for a minute. You know what it says, King James? God winked at it. But now, everybody say, but now. In 2020, but now, God commands. This is heavy right here. He will let people get away with that for a while, but now God commands all men. Where? Well, no, they're over in other countries and they have different religion. No, every man everywhere. He don't let you off the hook because you got Eastern religion. He don't let you off the hook because you got some South Pacific Island religion. He commands men everywhere to repent. So what's our, what, what command are we under? 
is to repent. It's right in the lesson, everybody. We're, what command are we under again? I'm commanded to repent. So what we ought to do is practice that. Is command people into the kingdom of God. Well, I don't think I'm ready. No, you don't have a choice. You've been commanded. Well, I'll come to Jesus Christ. You know, I don't want to play games. I ain't one of the ones. I don't want to play games with God. You know, people use that kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to play games. You know, when I come, I don't want to play no games. What, you think we playing games? You don't have a choice because you are commanded. Well, I'll repent when I'm ready. No, 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 you're commanded. Bow your head. <laughs> Dear God, in the name of Jesus, I repent right now of all my sins. Jesus, you understand? Commanded everywhere to repent. Why? Why does he command people to repent? Here it is, verse 31. Because he has appointed a day. And that's what people aren't thinking about. And people are exploring other religions and other things and they're burning candles and, and lighting incense and worshiping rocks and worshiping all kind of stuff, they're not, they're, they're not seeing that there's a day upon it. And if you and I would shut up and not say anything, we'd let them meet that day unprepared. And that's why I told you, you and I have to not, I'm not talking about us meddling in people's business, I'm talking about us being loving enough to say something. You think you all that? You, you, think, you think your religion is, is right? Yes. Yes, I know it's right. Well, what makes your religion different from mine? I don't have a religion. I got a relationship. Jesus Christ, the Savior, lives in my heart. And we actually talk every day. When the last time you talked to your God? Oh, no, better yet, when the last time he talked back to you? See, because my God, we used to say, say it back in the church, Mom, he walks with me. And he talks with me. Come on. And he tells me. And the joy we share as we tarry there. No other shall never know. All right, now. Um, so there's a day appointed. He's appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. And watch how he's going to judge in righteousness by the man he has ordained. So everybody's going to be judged based on Jesus. Not judged based on whether you gave to the Salvation Army. Not judged based on whether you marched with the March of Dimes and you did a breast cancer walk every year. Now, I'm not against those things. What I'm talking about these is those are good things, but you don't go to heaven based on good things. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by what you do with Jesus. So the question Father God will have for people on that appointed day is, did you receive and follow my son Jesus exclusively? Did you receive and follow my son Jesus exclusively? Well, that's exactly what God's going to ask. I don't know that. I'm just trying to give you an idea of the point. I don't know exactly what he's going to say to you. All I know is you're going to be judged. You and I will be judged. Every, every human being will be judged based on did you receive Jesus and follow him exclusively? All our good works don't get us a ticket. It's did you follow Jesus?
But Jesus declared this in John 14, 6. I'm done. Come on, Luke. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. Praise the Lord. Now, we cannot be silent. We cannot be passive. We cannot be afraid. And we cannot be unconcerned. Because people's lives and eternities depend on us, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to all men. So we have a job to do. So no matter if we're threatened, no matter if we're persecuted, no matter if we're imprisoned, y'all was real quiet, jailed, ostracized, like Peter and John and Paul and Silas and Timothy, is what they went through because they, could, they were concerned more about people's lives than their own lives. Listen, we're, we only have a short time on this earth. You understand that? I, I'm not, I don't care if you live 180, 85 years like, like Abraham. It's still a short time compared to eternity. So we got to think about the longer time, our eternity, but also that of the people around us. And so when you see people there in idolatry, listen, <laughs> y'all excuse me. I'd much rather preach on something else besides idolatry. Yeah. I don't know why God keeps giving me these idolatry messages. <laughs> but God has appointed a day that everyone will be judged. Well, y'all Christians have been sending it a long time. Well, we didn't know what day it was. That don't change the fact that it's the, the day's appointed. And the Bible tells us that he, he's patient, he's long-suffering, he's giving people time to repent. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants all souls saved. Amen? That's what God wants for his people. So no matter what happens, don't let anybody silence you when it comes to your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and when it comes to loving them enough to speak to them the truth, the truth of the word of God. Because you know what truth does? It'll set them free. It'll make you free. It made me free. It made you free. Guess what it'll do for them? It'll make them free too. Amen? Bow your heads. Father God, tonight, thank you so much for giving us the privilege of hearing the word of God. I thank you, Father, that you've chosen us and, and uh, allowed us to receive this uh, heavy uh, word, a meat word, a strong meat word about idolatry. We see it in, in America. We see it in our cities. We see it in our community. We see it, Lord, in our, in our own families oftentimes, Father. And God, forgive us for not opening our mouths and being vocal enough to deal with it, Father, just, just letting people just do their own thing and not saying anything and not wanting to bother anybody and, and saying that, you know, we just mind our own business and it's their, it's their business whom they want to serve and what they want to do, Lord. And it may be their right in America, but it's not right in your eyes. 
And though American law may allow it, your word still says that you have appointed a day where everyone, everyone will be judged by Jesus. By Jesus. So therefore you've commanded all men everywhere to repent. So Father, we speak that, that through this city, we command people to repent. We command people to come to Jesus Christ. We command people whose uh, souls are bound, their lives are bound in darkness, and they, they think they're woke, but they're not woke. They're asleep. They're spiritually dull and spiritually dead. Many of people that have been even in the church, they've even walked with you. They've even walked in the body of Christ, and they have reverted back because of doctors of demons, seducing spirits. But Father, we ask you that while they're still alive, because the word says among the living there is hope, Lord, let them come back to you, Lord. We pray, Father, that their hearts will not be seared. We pray that they aren't seared already. That, God, that their conscience is still able to be affected by the word of God. We pray that, God, you'd have mercy on people. That your grace would be extended to them, Father. That, Lord, that you'd reach down and touch them. And God, however you have to interrupt and disrupt their lives, the same way you did for Saul, traveling on that road to Damascus, God, and you knocked him off his beast by that light. Whatever it takes to awaken people to the truth of the gospel, whatever it takes. And God, we know that you want to use us to do that. So have your way. We are available. We are willing in the day of your power. So use us for your glory's sake, we pray. And I pray blessings that, God, your people would get stronger and stronger in you. That, God, God, our faith in you will be firm, more firm tonight than it's ever been. That we'll not be weary, we'll not be wavering, Father, but we'll be sold out, committed to serving you all the days of our lives and being light in this dark world, we pray. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Amen. Will you give God a great hand of praise tonight for the word of God? Hallelujah. Glory to God.